Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. We're in a series called The Lives We Believe, and uh, we kicked it off last week. And today we're talking about I'm the only one who struggles with this. We're looking at this lie that I'm the only one who struggles with this. So I'm going to call out some names and uh, you just try to guess what the following people have in common. Sir James Dyson, Steven Spielberg, Thomas Edison, and J.K. Rowling. Can you guess what they all may have in common? And not two ears, two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. All right. Matt, what's that? Writer. Well, one's a writer. Well, a couple of them are writers. Let me just tell you because we'll be here all day, okay? <laughs> you know what? They all struggled to make it. They all failed at some point. Uh, Sir James Dyson, can you guess what he made? Vacuum. I thought someone said the diaper. Not, not a long time ago. Um, Sir James Dyson, the, va- the, the bagless vacuum. How many of y'all are fans of the bagless vacuum? Nah, I'm not. Anyway. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, all right? Hey, listen, you know what? He was rejected twice by the USC School of Cinematic Arts. Sir James Dyson had over 5,000 vacuum cleaners that didn't work. Steven Spielberg, he's rejected by the School of Cinematic Arts. Thomas Edison failed a thousand times before he got the right light bulb. And then J.K. Rowland, the author of uh, Harry Potter, all right, was broke. I didn't have that in my notes. It's going in there. Was broke, depressed, and a single mom. But, But a lot of that just really has to do with careers. What about sin? What what about sin? Romans 3.23, it's not on the screen. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, we, we, If you've been in church at any time at all, you, you've heard that. And maybe that's the first time you've heard that. But here's the problem with the way we read that verse or we hear that verse. Okay, It says in every translation, it may sound a little different, but it says all have sinned. But here's the problem. We read it like, I'm the only one who has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. I'm the only one who's done this. And we feel like we've completely blown it, and we have, and we feel like uh, we uh, have um, all blown it, and we have, but again, we read it like we're the only one. And we believe a lie. Can you, can you see how, how destructive that, that lie could be if you think you're the only one who's blown it? You're the only one who has sinned, or you're the only one who's sinned that way? It's very destructive. Again, we're in this series called Lies We Believe. And the reason this is so important is studies show that we have about 6,000 complete thoughts every day. Now, we have probably, I think, somewhere to like 80,000 partial thoughts. So whatever number you go with, here's what's sad about it. 80% of those thoughts are negative. 80% of those thoughts, according to studies, are self-condemning. 
And the reason being, like we talked about last week, there's habits or our brain creates neural pathways and we just keep going down that same pathway, whatever the trigger may be. We're just going to repeat that lie over and over and over again. And then again, we also have an enemy that would love nothing more than you and I to forget that Jesus forgives that he justifies, he makes it like we have never sinned, he sanctifies, he, he cleanses us. He wants us to forget that. And since, like we talked about last week, Craig Rochelle said, you know, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Well, if that's true, if as a man thinketh, so is he, according to uh, Proverbs, then we really need to give some time and think about what we think about. Now, our key verse of this whole series is Romans 12, 2. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and, and customs of this world, but let God transform you. I wanna, let me just stop right there. Let God transform you. God wants to transform you. You may not like who you are. You may not like what you say and what you do. But I'm going to tell you something. God likes you. And God wants to transform you. But here's how it happens. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? By changing the way you think. We have got to think about what we think about. And then he says this. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good. It's pleasing. And it's perfect. So, again today... We're going to look at this lie that I'm alone in my struggles. I'm the only one who struggles with this. Here's the truth. Because of Jesus. And I, and I want you to remember this. It's because of Jesus that anything that we're going to talk about is true. I belong to God and I'm a part of his family. You, you may not feel like it. Uh, you may not feel like you belong to God. But I'm going to tell you, because of the work of Jesus, you belong to God and you're a part of his family. But here's the, another problem. We often, we often see the successes of others and we only see the struggles in our own lives. And a lot of times we believe because of that, because we only see the, the successes and we only focus on our struggles, we're the one we believe we're the only ones that struggle relationally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, occupationally, sinfully. And because of that, we can feel defeated and we can feel alone and we are the only one that struggles with and you fill in the blank. That kind of thinking leads to Defeat. Well, how, how can we overcome this? And listen, we can overcome this. How, how can we overcome this law? How can we live in victory uh, that Jesus provides? We're going to look at 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. I'm excited about this. I'm real excited also about next week. We're going to look about how um, the law, we don't have what it takes and we're disqualified. We're going to look at two other laws beyond that. But today we're dealing with this law. And so where do we start when I'm the only one who struggles with this? Hey, let's start with God. Verse 6 of uh, 1 Peter 5, he says this. So humble yourselves. Listen to where? Under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Listen to what it says. Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. And sometimes when you 
feel like you're the only one that struggles with this. Another lie that goes along with that is God doesn't even care. God's got to be upset with me. God's got to be mad with me. And I'm telling you right now, he says, you give all your worries, and you give all your cares to God, for he cares about you. And it begins by this, submitting to his plan for your life. And listen, we know what his plan is. He wants to transform you. He wants to transform you. Uh, according to Romans, he, he wants you to become just like his son Jesus. And that starts by the way we think. But we have to submit to his plans. And so what we do is we take our worries, we take this lie, we take our sins, and we cares, we take it to the Lord. We just take it to the Lord. And, and our minds are, are being constantly reminded when we go before the Lord, if, if we'll stop and be still, we'll be reminded about how much power he has, that he's in control of all things, that he loves us irreversibly. We can go to him. Now, what is that like? What is it like for God to, to care for us? I'm going to get pretty transparent with you, and you may decide to find another church after I share this because you may question my mental stability. So this past week, I think it was Monday morning. It was, it was already hot. I knew that, and I forgot to water the tomato plants the night before. And so and I don't like watering in the middle of the day, but it's still pretty early. But, man, it's already hot. And the pavement in my backyard is already hot. I got some little driveway there that's paved. And so I got, I'm watching the, the sprinkler, you know, do its job. That's what sprinklers do, you know. And um, um, so I'm standing there on this pavement, and I've got shoes on. I'm just thinking about how hot it is, and something just catches my eye. It just, there's, a, there's an earthworm trying to cross the, the pavement. And I'm thinking, man, this is stupid. What are you doing? It's just, it's like a, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like a suicide march. What is this? And I notice he's, he's, he, he rolls to one side and he rolls to the other. And so now I feel like a complete idiot telling you this. And I even looked to see if my neighbor was watching. But I would go get cups of water and I would pour it on that worm. And I'm thinking, this is so stupid. <laughs> I mean, it took him, it, he was not a fast one either. It took, it took a long time. I'm thinking, why did I do that? I'm like, that's stupid. Why do I care about a worm, you know? No lie to you. I went upstairs, and I'm reading the Scripture, and then in the Scripture talking about this great love God has for us. And the book that I'm reading um, on Jonathan Edwards, the author says this. The Gospel teaches how God stoop so low as to take an infinitely gracious notice of poor, vile worms and to concern himself for their salvation. Y'all, I'm telling you, you've heard of God moments and you've, you've heard of chill bumps. I'm at this moment knowing all this has happened for a reason. God stooped so low as to take an infinitely gracious notice of poor vile worms of the dust and to concern himself for their salvation so as to send his only begotten son to die for them that they may be honored and brought into eternal fellowship with him. I was that worm. You were that worm. And if he cared 
so much for us when we were sinful, vile worms? How much more does He care for us now that we are His children? So much more now. Because He is our Father and we are His child. This submitting and humbling ourselves before the Lord, I believe this shakes the gates of hell. And now you may be thinking, Scott, how does a gentle and humble act of submitting yourself to the Lord shake the gates of hell? Because at that moment, you're submitting your will to His will. At that moment, you're believing that His love is irreversible, that He does care for you, that you're no longer a vile worm, but you are a child of the King. And that mighty power is available to you. That grace is still available to you. You are His child. And when you get on God's plan, you know what follows? Victory, freedom, and not just yours, but those you're praying for. But those that you're praying for. I believe it shakes the gates of hell. That submission leads to ultimate freedom. So you start with God. Why? Because He loves you. You start with God because He cares for you. But Scott, I I have blown it. You, You don't know how bad I've blown it. No, I'm telling you, He loves you. And he cares for you. So start with God. And also, stay alert. Listen to what verse 8 says. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Last week we talked about we have an enemy. He's the father of all lies. But you've got to understand what, what he's doing and what he's done right now with this lie that you're all alone. See, he... The enemy accuses us constantly. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's probably sins that you committed before Christ that he wants to point to every once in a while. No, that's, that's who you are. That, that's who you are. That's what the, the enemy wants you to think. He, he wants to con- constantly accuse us. In Revelation 12.10, it says he's the accuser of the brothers and, and sisters. He wants us to remember our sinful acts and he wants us to forget, man, the work of Jesus Christ. He, he wants us all to forget the, the irreversible work of Jesus. And that's why it's so important. Last week, I, I showed you this card. It was on the screen, and uh, it's on the screen again. And we had several people say, hey, I want to get a copy of that. You can go to our website uh, on the eastridge.church, uh, and you go to resources. But can I just say this? I, the, I got in the car this morning. It's sitting beside me. Now I've got to make sure I put it back. But anyway, it was sitting beside me. And I just read through it again. You know, because of Jesus, I'm accepted, I'm called, I'm chosen. Listen, that is you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are called, you are chosen. We said you are chosen, not forsaken. The lie that I'm all alone believes this. I'm forsaken, not chosen. That's a lie. That's why you've got to constantly be in the Scriptures reminding that you're dearly loved. That you're friends with God. You've got to constantly know these things, that you're victorious and that you can do all things through Christ. We have to stay alert. Man, we have to have tools like, like this or other tools. But that comes out of the Word of God. That does not replace the Word of God. But understand how the enemy works. See, a lion attacks his prey by separating to pray from the pack. He's going to get someone off by themselves. Uh, you've seen the National Geographic video. We debated over and over. Do we show that? And we thought, no, it was too graphic for church. 
But you've seen how it goes after the gazelle. It separates one from the pack. The enemy wants us to feel alone. He wants us to be alone. So that emotionally and mentally he can devour us. In our sin and our despair and in our struggles. Have you ever been there? When you just feel all alone. And it seems like the only person that knows what you're going through or the sin that you committed or the thing that's got you all wrapped up is Satan himself. The way he wins is by keeping us alone and not allowing ourselves to be known by others. We are not fully accepted until we're fully known. I, I want you to understand that there, there's a level of grace and a level of acceptance that you and I will never experience unless there's just a few people. You don't walk up to a brand new person and go, hey, I'm Scott, I struggle with pornography. Make a little awkward conversation. Now, that's the one thing y'all are going to remember. I'm Scott and I struggle with pornography. <laughs> that was an example. <laughs> so, listen, but there's got to be somebody that you know That knows you. Because I'm going to tell you what you have right there. There's complete acceptance in that kind of relationship. There's a battle buddy even, so to speak. We're not fully accepted until we're fully known. And what he does, he separates us from the, that kind of community, that kind of acceptance, that type of grace by believing these lies. We're the only ones that struggle. God doesn't care. We know that's not true. We've seen it in the Word of God. And that others would not accept us if they knew our struggles. You know what the beauty of the church is? The beauty of the church is that by needing Jesus, that is a confession that we're all messed up. Raise your hand if you're messed up. Some of you need to raise two hands. <laughs> no. <laughs> right here, in a foot. You know what separates some of a messed up sinful world? By confessing Jesus, we're admitting it. That's what separates us. By confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, we're just admitting it. This past uh, week at Sober Recovery, a friend of mine gave his testimony. And uh, so the first time he's ever done it, stood right here Thursday night, uh, got up and introduced his name, says, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with pornography. And you know what the room did? Hey! Called out his name. And after he got through, guess what they did? Stood up. And you know who experienced freedom? That wasn't the first time he shared that. It's just the first time he shared it at this level. He experienced freedom. He experienced another level of acceptance and love because he admitted what is true of all of us. That we've all blown it and we've all messed up. And that guy's walking in another level of acceptance and grace that he didn't have before. Satan separates us by saying, you're the only one. And if people knew this, they wouldn't love you. 
they wouldn't accept you. And that's a lie. That, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Start with God. Hey, stay alert. And then stand together in faith. All right? Hey, you're not alone. God's working in your life. I promise you that. You may not feel like that, but he's doing it for his glory. Verse 9, it says this. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Now, I do want to say this. Paul's talk, I mean, uh, Peter's talking here really about the kind of persecution that believers are going through. But I want to tell you this. The suffering, the way Satan attacks, is the same. So I want to go for some clarity here. Listen to this type of suffering, he says. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So you have suffered a little while. He will restore. He will support. He will strengthen you. And he will place on you a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Stand firm. You've got to stand firm in the word. That mean you got to read 12 chapters a day. It may mean you just take one verse and, and get it in your head really good one day. And it means this. And listen, there are apps. I showed this last week. This is just my memory verse cards that, that I use. But some people ask me, how, how, where'd you get that, Scott? And I, listen, I shop at High End Dollar General down there by Jackson Lake. They've got them all day long. They're a little higher than Walmart, but I don't, I don't go to Walmart too often anymore. John 16, here's how I do it. I say the verse out loud, John 16, 33. I said this on the way to work this morning. Way to work. Y'all are at church. I'm at work. No, <laughs> we're at church. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. John 16, 33. I said it out loud four, five, six times. Just getting, and then after I got through saying it, you know, I thought, you know, in this world I am going to have trouble. But I can have peace in trouble because of Jesus. He's overcome this world. Man, you, you've got to engage. You, you've got to remember this is a battle, and, there, and there's no sense of neutrality or, or passivity or, or dismissiveness in this. Man, we've got an enemy, and the way we fight him is with the, the sword of the Spirit. The way we extinguish his lies is with the shield of, of faith, and both of those, the shield of faith is strengthened by the Word of God. The sword is the Word of God. We have to stand firm in his Word. Now, someone asked, Scott, where do, where do you get your verses from? Well, I was reading through Psalm 37, and I probably most of these in here, about half of them came from Psalm 37. Um, the other half, for the most part, came from um, a Bible study I was doing. Uh, sometimes they, they, they come from uh, a book. So let me say this. You're getting ready to, to join growth groups. And you're going to have Bible verses thrown at you constantly. Here's the number one rule when it comes to memorizing Scripture. Let it be one that speaks to you. Don't, don't try to memorize Genesis or or. Or God forbid Leviticus. But if there's a verse in Leviticus that jumps out at you, there's a verse in Genesis, or there's a verse in John, or there's a verse in your growth group, and do that. Here's my, my step study book from way back when. 
If you've been in a step study, or you're thinking about being in a step study, every lesson begins with two verses. And it's two verses a week. Matthew 5, 3 on the first one. Happy are those who know they're spiritually poor. Happy are those who know they're spiritually poor. And then the second one is Romans 7. I know nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And in every week, there's two verses. I wouldn't recommend trying to memorize more than two verses a week. You'll, you'll get frustrated and quit. But let's do this. Let's fuel our faith. Let's fuel our faith instead of fueling the lies. Man, when we decide to do nothing, we don't take those thoughts captive. We don't look at them and make them obedient to the mind of Christ. When we don't stop and think about what we're thinking about, and we don't engage our, our souls and our minds with the Word of God and, and the truth of Scripture, we're feeding the lies. Man, let's fuel our faith instead of fueling the lies. And understand, it is a battle. It is a battle that must be engaged. And it's not just for you. It's for others. Last week, I, you know, I stood up here and said, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with fatalistic thinking. After church last week, uh, a gal walked up to me and he said, um, I walked by him and me too. I what? What did you say? He said, me too. He said, I struggle with thinking that way. Right now, there are other people that need you to be transparent. And again, not right away. You don't want to walk up and say, hey, I'm Scott, I'm a great from believer, and I struggle with alcoholism or, or whatever it is. But you begin the relationships. Growth group's not just not a great program that we just want to see big numbers in. See, Scott knows it's got more needs, relationships with other men. And I know you do too. I, I know that the Satan would love to separate you and keep you away from those kind of relationships. And listen, do I know it's nervous, man? Is it nerve-wracking to do that for the first time, to show up at just somebody's house or, or, or what? Yeah, it is. It really is. I know that. But what I have found, a lot of things I worry about are really not that big a deal once it comes to fruition. So listen, I want to encourage you. Get in a growth group. Don't be out there by yourself. And if you're part of Celebrate Recovery, hey, Hey, stay in that open share group, but take another step. Get in a step study. Man, get in a step study. And you're going, ooh, you're really pushing, Scott. Hey, get on the ministry team. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll back it down a little bit. But get connected with other believers some way, somehow. Because you can't make it by yourself. You weren't intended to make it by yourself. God saved you and placed you in a family. And I want to tell you something. Here, here's the lie. I'm alone in my struggles. That, that's the lie. That's the lie. No, truth is because of Jesus. I belong to God, and I'm part of his family. I want to tell you something. Nothing disqualifies you from being here. Did, do you understand me? I don't know what you thought about. I don't know what you read. I don't know what you looked at. I don't know what you did. I don't know how many people you hit on the way to church this morning. 
Nothing disqualifies you from the family of God. His love is irreversible. There's His grace. There's no limit to it. And Scott Moore needs it. And you need it. And you belong here with every other believer. So I started out with the verse, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not just you, but all of you, me, have sinned. But that's really not the good news. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, well, at least I'm not alone, right? That's really not the good news. The rest of it says this, and we're all justified, justified just as if I never sinned, freely by His grace through the redemption that's only available in Jesus Christ. I want to say this to you. So, if you're here today and you're wondering if Jesus is for real, I get it. I was there. But you had this conviction of sin on you. And listen, that's a beautiful thing because conviction leads us to Jesus. You can be in the eyes of God just as if you've never sinned. And I, can I tell you what Jesus does now? He intercedes for us all the time. And you know what he's basically doing? Because we all blow it, right? Still blow it, you know? He's hitting the reset button. It's as if we have never sinned. In, front of, in, the, in the eyes of God, justified. Justified. Father, he's justified. Father, she's justified. Father, she's, it's just as if she's never sinned. So, 11 people over the last month know what it's like to be just as if they never sinned. Here's what I want us to do. I told you at the beginning, we're going to have a prayer time. And if you're online, I just want to invite you to join us just praying right where you are. I want us to do this. I want to invite you, if you're able, let's come down front. I want to pray two things. I want to pray for these people that are lost to get saved. But let's do something called habit stacking. You know, if we're in the habit of praying for them, let's add another habit to it. Let's pray that the church that no one will feel alone and people will be set free. So if you're comfortable, I want to invite you to join me down front. If you're more comfortable in your chairs, I understand that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.